All right. So, um, settle down. We have the entire afternoon to fill up our joy tanks, connecting, reconnecting, new connections. Wow. Look at that. All right. Let's, let's smile one more time at each other. It's joyful. 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 It actually really hurts to smile right now because I broke my nose this week. And... Um, <laughs> and it just started bleeding again like five minutes before I had to come up here. So I was like, okay, uh, my limitations are, you know, are there. But I'm believing the Lord has good things. So it was on the day I was supposed to prepare for this morning. I had the day set aside, woke up in the middle of the night with a migraine, stumbling around looking for medication, fell over the baby dog gate, the puppy dog gate thing, and fell on my face broke my nose and lay in a puddle of blood. That's how Adam found me. Um, super dramatic. But no, all that to say is that even in the places of our pain and our limitation, those are the good places if we allow the Lord to meet us. And so I had to rely and depend on the Father this week and on my friends more than ever because of, the, of my limitation and so sweet David Blackwell went and did all the grocery shopping for this weekend. So, so amazing. He, I did get a funny phone call from him, like in Costco, saying, where are all the plant-based stuff? Isn't this like a fad or something? Why doesn't have Costco have any plant-based food? He was, he was kind of mad at Costco. Anyway, um, still am. Might give them the Chicago write-off there, David. Um, I had to rely on my amazing husband, who not only like picked me up off the floor, cleaned me up, held a bowl while I threw up through my migraine. He's really, really amazing. He's really amazing. Um, but he also took half of my message today, just because I was like, there's no way I'm going to do all of this in time. So he jumped in last minute in the 11th hour, as we like to say, and helped out. Um, and, and so many more, so many more people, just encouragement, love, food, helping with my kids. So it was really beautiful. But if I sound a little stuffy or if I have to like put a tissue to my nose because that's bleeding, you know why now. Um, it's not like the Holy Spirit or something that <laughs> did that. Um, although that would be an interesting manifestation. Uh, <laughs> all right, no, we won't go there. Um, so two years ago, we left Plexpod. On March 31st was our last day in Plexpod. And that beautiful song, In the 11th Hour, actually came out of that. Like we were here at the retreat when that song came out. And it was because we were like, we made it to 11 and the Lord spoke and now we're moving forward into new things. And he gave us this amazing scripture from Isaiah 50, 43 or Isaiah, as we say in South Africa, but um, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And we asked the Lord to give us eyes to see. And he said, we want to see it. What are you doing? What is this new thing that you're doing? And um, Adam gave this amazing message on transitions, right? Like the liminal space. How much, do you, any of you guys remember? Some of you are new, so you haven't heard that. It's this weird, like the liminal space. We've left the one thing and we're not quite into the new thing. And so we're in the middle, like liminal actually comes from the root word of threshold. You're standing on the threshold between the outside and the inside, between the one room and the next room. And you're right in the doorway. And doesn't that just feel like it's just one step and you're in? But all of research says about transition is that it's a you know quick goodbye and a messy middle that takes way longer than we want it to take. And then we start to see the new beginning. And we have been stuck in the messy middle, or what a lot of people would call the gray zone, 
right? The gray zone. We've left the dark, but it's not quite the light. But you can see a little bit of what's happening. And to be honest, like, it just feels like the whole world went into a liminal space like a year ago. But we chose to go into liminal space a year before that. Like, why on earth did we do that? Now, looking back, I'm like, that was a bad idea. Like, why did we do that? And I know why we did it, because the Lord asked us to do it. He said, would you follow me? Would you take a step of faith and step into the liminal space? And I will be honest, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago, I was being very honest with the Lord. And I said, why did you do that? That feels so unkind. Like you were going to do it with everyone anyway. Like why didn't you just let us stay really like comfortable for another year? You know, not that it was ever super comfortable, but like, yeah, it was like way easier when you had the space and you had the people and you knew what was going to happen and life was a little bit more predictable than following a cloud. Because as cool as that sounds, it's like super hard, right? Like a cloud, like, whoa, where is it? Where, where'd it go? Whoa, there, oh, there, I can't touch it. I can't catch it. It keeps moving, right? Don't we all feel a little like that? Like, oh my gosh, like, what are we doing? And I was really honest with the Lord, and I said, that was kind of mean, God. Like, you made us choose it. And then you just ended up doing it with everyone anyway, a year later. Like, I could have just waited a year. And we would only be a year into this process right now rather than two years, because two years is a lot longer than one year to stay in the messy middle, right? It's a lot longer to stay in that, like, I don't really know what's happening. I kind of like what we left, but we can't really go back. But I don't really know what you're saying for the future. And there, I can't really take the next step. I'm kind of stuck in this place. How many people have felt like maybe a little stuck in the last year or two? Like I'm moving, but I'm kind of blind. And, and the Lord in his faithfulness, which reminds me that he's always faithful, spoke to me. And he said, well, because I am good, first of all, I'm not mean, like we sometimes think he is. And I let you do it voluntarily. Like he gave us the choice to voluntarily step out of our comfort instead of an involuntary change. And this got me, you know, kind of just like, okay, but like, what's the gift of the voluntary change rather than the involuntary change? Like, what's the difference between those two? Now, like, um, you know, a lot of studies would show us that um, actually the change is the same between voluntary and involuntary, right? Like, a lot of the change is the same. The outcome is often different between the two. Isn't that interesting? Like the same change happens, but the outcome, the who we are at the end of the change is often different. And the difference is, is that we have the same emotions. It's interesting, the leaving has emotions of um, sadness. That's pretty obvious, right? When you're leaving something, you're sad. But it also has the emotion of joy, the strongest positive emotion in leaving something to a new thing is joy. That's the strongest positive because we're anticipating what's coming. So it's joyful. In the messy middle, it's confusion. It's the strongest emotion, right? I don't actually know what's going on. Um, but it is also a place of joy because things are changing. And often when we felt like one thing wasn't a great thing and we're moving forward, there is a joy coming through that. And then in the coming into the new thing, the strongest emotions 
of fear because we're not quite sure what's going to happen, and joy again. Isn't that amazing? Joy, joy, joy in all of the places of transition is the strongest positive emotion. And one of the things with voluntary change is, in, compared to involuntary change, is the positive emotion is the emotion that is overarching the change. The positive emotion is the overarching emotion. With involuntary change, the negative emotion is the overarching emotion. So we get to choose the change that the Lord is bringing. And because of that, we get to experience more joy. And we get to remember the transition from the emotion of joy rather than sadness, confusion, and fear. We get to be a joyful people on the other end of change. That is the gift because we chose. He took me to, uh, the Lord likes speaking to me through nature and like parables in nature. So he took me to this picture of pruning because there's actually a lot of moments of change in anybody's life. But if we look at the Bible, almost every person goes through transition most people will go through three to five ma major transitions in their life, but they're finding now with the speed that the world is running at that 12 to 18 months you go through some type of transition, every 12 to 18 months. So change is here to stay, right? Wow. Change is here to stay. Now all of those aren't huge life transitions, but transition is happening all the 12, 12 to 18 months. That's super quick. So. Wouldn't it be good for us to learn how to go through change well? Because it's going to keep changing all the time, right? It keeps changing. So we have to learn. That is part of our growth is to actually learn how do we change well? How do we transition well? How do we move well from one thing that the Lord's calling us to into a new thing? And so we want to be a people that learns this well. So he took me to um, a tree and he talked to me about pruning. And I think he, what he really wanted to do with me in that moment was say, where's your perspective? I was seeing the, the move and this whole follow the cloud and then the COVID and the, and the I mean, just all the stuff. I could name like 100 things from the last two years that it feels like has happened. All of that I was seeing from the place of saying, okay, God, you've stripped us, you've stripped us, you've stripped us. And he said to me, I want you to see it from the position of, I pruned you, I pruned you, I pruned you. And there is a big difference when a tree is stripped or what they call topped, or when a tree is pruned. And our voluntary choice is saying yes to the pruning of the Lord. Because if we don't voluntarily choose, then there will be a topping. We will be part of the topping, just where things just happen and things get cut off, right? So we choose pruning. What is the difference between pruning and topping? Well, in pruning, it's a lot longer process because the arborist who's doing the pruning or the gardener actually loves the thing that they're pruning. So they take time to prune it well. It's a slower process and it is a deeper cut. When something is just topped, it's just haphazardly cut off. There's no thought or process behind it. And it's usually just the top growth parts that are cut off, like just a schlep and it's off, right? Like, I like that word, that's a real South African word, the schlep word. Um, so it's just bang and it's gone, whereas a pruning is very slow. There is thought as to when it is done, how it is done, what tools are used, when, it's, when we're cutting, which, trees are, which branches are left, which ones are cut. That whole process is really thought out and patient, is a very patient process. And so the Lord started speaking to me about pruning and he said, I have been pruning Nava. I have been meticulously cutting off branches. 
And in John 15, we, we read that the good gardener doesn't just cut the dead branches because we're all super happy with that. I'm like, cut off all the dead stuff. That's great. But he actually cuts the branches that are bearing fruit so that we can bear more fruit. Ultimately, it's for the fruit, it's for the health of the tree that he makes the cuts. On, with trimming, when they just like top something off of a tree, the tree actually um, grows back a lot quicker. It's a much faster process. And it brings new life to the tree all of a sudden, and it's very quick growth, and it looks amazing, right? It's just like rapid growth in a trimming or a, or a, tr a, a topping. It's just quick, 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 quick growth. But ultimately, what that quick growth does is it starves the tree because it takes all the good nutrients and presses it to quick regrowth that looks really impressive but actually isn't strong. And so the first storm that comes will blow off and destroy all of that new growth. It will take it all off. So it can look really good in the short term, but in the long term, the pruning process is actually the thing that makes a healthier tree and a strong, stronger tree. I will tell you one other difference between topping and pruning. Topping doesn't look so bad. Like it still looks pretty presentable, the tree. Pruning looks ugly. Like it looks like a stump, really. Have any of you seen like a really pruned tree that's like done really well? It's kind of like scraggly and ugly. And there's like parts of it that are left that are like really good. So it looks like, like why'd you leave that? But you took that. That's like really weird. And now it looks like kind of lopsided. And uh, OK, there is life. There is growth. But like the rest of the thing looks super ugly, right? And there is still some fruit, like those, the, the limbs that were left, like will still bear fruit, they will still have leaves, they will still have flowers, but the tree as a whole looks ugly. And if I look back at what this, the story that the Lord's written over the last two years, I wanna say that we kind of looked ugly. I'm like one of the like main leaders of the church, so I can say that. It's like when a mother says their child's ugly, right? <laughs> Adam doesn't say she's ugly. Um, my children aren't ugly, but our Nava child is a little ugly. <laughs> it's kind of, ugh, like it's not super impressive. And Adam and I like know friends all over the world, you know, and they're like, what's happening to Nava? You guys were so poised and ready for like shutdown. You know, you were already there. You'd practiced for a year. And I was like, Ugh. yeah, I don't know how much that helped. <laughs> like still look kind of scraggly. So the Lord quickly took me to what happens after pruning. When regrowth starts, what happens to the tree? Interestingly enough, three things. The regrowth, the new life in a tree goes to three things. The first thing it goes to is to heal the cuts. First thing it goes to, heal the cuts. The tree will actually produce growth to cover the wound so that the tree will not be invaded by pestilence or rot. He is faithful to heal the places that feel cut and exposed. He made us to heal. The second thing that the, tr that the life goes to is the root system. A properly pruned tree will have a deeper root system than a tree that hasn't been pruned. The life goes into the depth of the soil, the roots. That tree is stronger. It, it, it can access deeper reservoirs of water. It can get new nutrients. The tree can live longer and be stronger because it's been pruned. And then the third thing is that it goes to the new shoots. Now, interestingly enough, a branch will never grow back once it's been pruned. The same thing cannot grow back again. 
it's a little sad, but there is multiplication of growth in the place where one branch was cut, now multiple branches will come out of that same shoot. Multiplication comes out of the brokenness and the cutting. And those new branches will actually be stronger than the original, and they will bear more fruit than the original. So, like any good preacher, Adam and I were talking about this this week, and I am going to credit Adam with this. He came up with three P words to remind us. It's good, good stuff, man. Three P words. The pruning is the first thing. And to walk through transition and change healthy, we have to acknowledge that we've been pruned. We have to acknowledge loss. We have to acknowledge the places that have hurt, that feel cut, that feel broken. We have to acknowledge the pain. And I think this is like, you know, each of you individually can take this through your change, but I believe the Lord's speaking to us corporately as a Nava people. And we want to today just acknowledge it's been hard. Like, yeah, not knowing like three... Guys, this was super funny, but like a year into the journey, we would be like, uh, what are we doing on Sunday? And if we knew two weeks in advance, like we rejoiced, like where we were going to be. We were like, we know two weeks in advance. This is amazing. Right. And we're like, what? Who says that? <laughs> Who says that? Who's excited because we knew two weeks before and not like the 11th hour. Right. Because there were days when it was like, it's Friday, we're supposed to gather on Sunday, and we still don't know where. Because we were following a crowd, and that is hard. It is hard not to know what is happening. It is hard to lose people that we love. I stand in this room today, and I'm sad about the people that are not here anymore. Not because they were bad and the Lord cut them off, but because the Lord called them to different things so that they could flourish and grow. And I'm sad. Like we've lost good people and friends. And if it didn't hurt, there was something wrong with us, right? Because deep love hurts deep. And so we've lost some people to sickness and death and we've lost some people to like the calling of the Lord to other places. And we also want to acknowledge that they were trim, like, like, gosh, my brain's like all over the place, that there were limbs on the tree that were not cut. And there was life and joy in those places. And we want to be a people that can acknowledge both of those emotions, sadness and joy. And there is beautiful things that the Lord has done in the last two years that is incredible. Like we, Adam's going to come and share some stories and it's good for us to remember the good things that have happened like, we got to meet amazing people. We've picked up, I, there's some people I don't know in this room. I'm like, you weren't here two years ago. You're here now. That's amazing. <laughs> like, Jesus is doing good things, and there is good fruit still on the tree. And that makes us look kind of wonky, but it's good, right? It makes us feel a little awkward sometimes. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like weeping with you, and then I'm seriously rejoicing with you at the same time. Like a bride with a broken nose. No, that's what Adam said. Um, this is the third time I've broken my nose in my life. So, you know, maybe there's something to that. Um, <laughs> so I just want to acknowledge, like, it's okay to, it's okay to acknowledge. Acknowledge is just saying, yes, that was hard and that was happy. Right? Because our Western world, and honestly, our Western church is really bad at acknowledging the difficult things. We quickly want to move on. Or we just want to go like, you'll be okay, and like keep moving. Or that's exciting, what's next? Instead of staying in the moment, 
The reason why the middle passage is so long is because we have to learn to live in the moment. There's nothing to go back to, and there's nothing to look forward to. So you've got to be super present right now. And he wants to be really present with us in the now and help us be really present to each other in the now of what's horrible and what's really amazing all at the same time. So it's okay to acknowledge the cut and the things that we've lost, the dead things that we're happy we lost and the good things that he's moved on in his time. And it's good for us to finish well those relationships. It's good for us to finish well those places, acknowledge the emotion. Um, Mama Cofield, do you, some of you won't even know her, but she's this amazing mama in Kansas City who has the best one-liners ever. Like, I want to like have a Mama Cofield t-shirt line that just has her, her like one-liners on it, but... Um, she, she always says, like, never waste a good crisis, which I'm like, that's, that's a good thing. But then she says, you've got to feel it to heal it. We have to feel it to heal it. And if we don't acknowledge the pain and the joy and all the places, it's not going to heal in us. And we have to allow that growth, the newness of life, to go to the healing and not just move on to the next thing. Yes? All right, so it's okay to say you sad or that you miss somebody or you wish things were the way they were. It's okay. I mean, we can't go back to it, but still can say it's sad, still acknowledge that place of pain. Okay, our next P word is promise. So pruning, promise. We have to acknowledge the pruning. We have to believe the promise. We forget so quickly, don't we? This place is good for me to come back to because I actually came to Prairie Star before I married this handsome guy. We were just engaged <laughs> and um, we were like a month away from getting married. And actually I was here when the venue called and said, um, sorry, like you can't have your wedding here anymore. Like we were here and we we're like, what? It's like our wedding's a month away. Anyway, God made a better plan. It was good. We held on to his promise. But this place reminds me of the promises of the Lord. He has spoken to us every time we've been in this place about his promises. And we have to believe his promises. And this is our root system going down deep. Because it doesn't help to believe in anything else other than the goodness of God. He is faithful. He is kind. He is good. Did you guys know that um, the Israelites had an anthem? It's all through the Psalms. Their national anthem, all through the Psalms. You are good, and your faithfulness endures forever. Your love endures forever. You are good. You are faithful. You love. They had to declare that over and over and over and over again because they had to believe the promise. That's our root system going down deep into the ground because that's where we're anchored. And you know, the interesting thing about a tree is that you can cut off all its branches and it'll still live. But if you cut away its root system, it'll die. So basically we can take everything away except the place we're anchored in the Lord and we will still live. We will still flourish. Um, I was, I'm going to let Adam do this part of the talk because I didn't get to this this week. So um, he's going to come and remind us about some of the stories and the promises of the Lord over us as a people of Nava. And I want to encourage you to go and do this individually as well. Go to the places and say, God, what is your promise over me? What am I holding on to when everything else looks dead in the ground? What am I sticking my roots into and saying, I will not be moved in these places? But I want Adam to come and remind us about Nava's story, where you fit into that story, and how we need to remember the promise of God over us as a people. Do you want me to clean it? You're freaking amazing. 
you're amazing. She didn't tell me any of the stuff she was going to talk about, of course, because she treasures it all inside. She's freaking giving wisdom through so much pain. On my wedding day, the Lord told me that I was getting a treasure and I had no idea what I was getting. And for better or for worse, that was Wednesday morning, wasn't it? You're just incredible. Gosh. Uh, our story is in progress. Do you guys watch that on the first prayer course video? A man without a voice, 28 years. He can only speak an hour a day. And he looked and he said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Jesus. I won't let go. Our story's in progress. I forget that so much. You know, do you guys forget that? The story's in progress. We think what is happening is the whole thing. And uh, I'm reminded that pruning is not the point. God, God's end game is not to prune us. And really, fruitfulness isn't even the point. It's a, it's a byproduct of the pruning, but he says the glory of God is the, is the point, is to be with God in his glory, to abide in God. And so this story is in progress. And we feel like when the pruning happens, it removes the promises. But the truth is pruning doesn't remove the promises. Ultimately, it releases the promises. Yeah? But when you're being pruned, all you feel is that the promise is dead and gone. And I feel like this little stub. There's a story that maybe I'll finish the end of at the end of this, but we almost didn't become a we because I was filled with so much tormenting anxiety. And the worst day that I remember was the day that my friends had to pick me off the ground. I was, a, I was already planted the church. I was a pastor and it was dark. I was tormented by anxiety. I was convulsing and shaking. And my best friends, Nathan and David, found me on the ground shaking. They took me in the car with Julie. They drove us to Loose Park and I was walking like a mental hospital patient, shaking step by step around Loose Park. And we made it all the way around to the Rose Garden and we were standing on that little bridge, you know what I'm talking, or that little overlook over the, the roses at Loose Park, if you've been there. And everything, it was, it was in March, so everything was trimmed back and just looked gone. And we looked down, and the name of the plaque at the bottom was Simplicity Roses. And I said to Julie, if I could just get this thing out of my head, I'm like, I can't stop the anxiety. I just want peace. Like I, I want simplicity. And then we were not engaged at this point. And Julie said, you'll have simplicity. And what you're feeling right now is not the end of your story. And this is my wife, right? And uh, she said, all the life is in there, but you can't see it. And when we get through this, we're going to come back to this rose and we're going to celebrate that God brought the life out of what looks like it's dead. She said, it's just dormant. It's not dead. I'll finish the story later. Something happened this week, which was amazing. But I'm talking about promises. There are certain things which do not change. And along the way, how we do what doesn't change changes over and over. Does that make sense? We reiterate the things that don't change. So we have to get used to change, but we have to make a short list of what doesn't change. And I want to remind us of some things in the novice story that do not change. Though he has made those iterations over and over in how we do those things. And he has pruned over and over. And many points I've felt the promise is dead. I've forgotten the story is in progress. 
And, and this is for your individual story as well. I hope you're hearing these things, not just there is an important us in this, but there's a very important you in this story. Find yourself, relocate yourself in the story. I remember the first dream that I had about this beautiful church to be. And sometimes I freak out when I think about it, like, just like, what if I wouldn't have married Julie and I would have taken the other road? I think about, what if I wouldn't have believed God? I mean, literally people wouldn't have met and had children which are eternally now born because if I went that direction and David and I chose fear, which was all around us instead of doing that. Have you ever think back on decisions and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe we did it. The first word, the dream that I had was we had this building. Lo and behold, I should have known our whole history would be littered with this kind of a story. We had a building. It was called the Shepherd Center. And I had a dream. And in the dream, the Lord said, I want the Shepherd Center back. And I was weeping in the dream. This is the beginning of I'm going to take the building and you're going to be really disappointed. Other iterations might come in the story. He says, I want it. And I say to him, no, God, don't take it. And he says, the church is a people, not a building. Promise one, foundation one. Do you think you get tested on the promise of God? When he speaks into your life, you can guarantee he will test you and try you to bring forth the word because he loves you. The church is a people, not a building. Through all the iterations of this story, We've met on Wednesday nights every week. We've met on Sunday evenings. We met twice a month on Sunday mornings. We've met every time on Sunday morning. We've met once a month through all the iterations. The thing which has been the same is Acts chapter 2. The church is a people, a family. We've always, no matter when we all gathered, once a month, twice a month, Wednesday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday mornings, Whenever we, in all the iterations, the one thing which has remained the same is church in the home looks like Acts chapter two. That's the only consistent thing we've done our whole entire history. In fact, the first time I was remembering we ever came to this retreat center was to form the leadership teams for our home churches, then called collectives. Even the iterations were different, but you know what didn't change? Acts chapter two. The Sawyers are laughing because, yes. Is it true? Yeah, is it true? This is the thread. The church is a people, not a building, not a business, not an organization. And he brought us to the depth of our pruning over and over and over on this. He pruned me in my performance. He pruned me in the places of rejection. He took us out of the orphan story and the slave story. And he said, boiler room at that time, will you receive the spirit of adoption? The church is a family, a people, not a building. That's the root that's the promise. So take away the building. We used to say this, David, what I say this all the time. I say, man, if he ever tests us and takes away the building again, will we survive or more? And I would say, I hope we would thrive. I know right now, maybe it doesn't totally feel like that. But if what she's saying is true and Jesus is busy, that root is going to multiply and bear beautiful fruit, not for our sake but for his glory. That was the first dream I had. I'm taking the building. Man, I should have just got out when I could. <laughs> Amen? But no. Gee, listen to me. We will always bank everything on you, not on my personality and gifting. Here, you want to know why? Because Jesus banks everything on me and you. He could have stayed and ran the show. He's coming back again to do that, by the way. But instead, 
He entrusted his entire name, fame, glory, and kingdom on ordinary broken people like us and said, I'll give you my spirit inside of you and you will be the church. That's why we don't firstly talk about buildings. We talk about you, about how will you carry the spirit of God and be the church, not go to the church. Jesus banks everything on me and you, not on just a few professionals who are really good at speaking or singing. That's not why he came and died and raised. How could that be the good news of the gospel? No, no. It's that you carry the glory of God. You're the church. Night two, I have a second dream. For anyone who knows my spiritual journey, I'm not a dreamer. I mean, Katie has five dreams a week. I get like five in our whole history that are significant. And I have two, two nights in a row. God is doing something, right? The second night, I have another dream. And in the dream, I'm in the shepherd center house. And a guy looks at me. And he says, you're the shepherd like Ezekiel 34. And I'm stunned in the dream. Anybody got Ezekiel 34 like memorized off? I have no idea. I'm like, please don't be about Babylon. Please don't, you know, like this is going to turn this powerful dream into like the weirdest, worst thing, you know? And I wake up and the fear of God hits me because this is where Jesus says, I am the shepherd. You waste all the resources on yourself, but I go after the stray and the hurting and the lost and I heal them and I bring them back home, right? And I woke up from that dream. I read Ezekiel 34 and he goes, Adam, for real, I'm taking the shepherd center building, but I'm gonna make you a shepherd center people. The church, promise one, roots. The church is a people, a family filled with the spirit of adoption. Does that sound familiar to our history? A family? Yeah? Number two, we are a shepherd center for the hurting and the poor and the refugee and the lost. And all the iterations of our story have looked different. And to be quite honest, I've wanted so much more and I have so much disappointment. I had to take a whole sabbatical just to whine to God about the disappointment in the journey. And I did. I told him everything I was disappointed in. And he was with me. But all that pruning of different manifestations where we have seen mission doesn't discount the promise of the Lord that you shall be a shepherding center for the city. As many times as I want to write it off, did God say it or not? The church is a people, not a building. The church shall be on mission, a shepherding center. Yeah? We had our first gathering 2005, and we were in that old musty warehouse space on 3829 Main Street, have so many fond memories of that concrete block thing, you know? We had no chairs for two years. We had people bringing their dogs. There was artists everywhere, people sitting on freezers. It was fantastic. Everyone's like, bring it back. Maybe he will. That's not up to us. What? It's for sale. It's, is it? Yeah, that's amazing. Joe, put it down today, man. You've got the deposit. <laughs> and there was this stupid pillar. The, the only bad thing, we had this gathering space, no chairs or whatever, but where you preached was behind a huge pillar. So when I talked to this side of the room, I went like this. And then when I talked to this side of the room, I went like this. And I was getting so annoyed. And then Jesus said, it's me. It's the Jesus pillar. I'm always in the way. I'm always at the center. I'm holding this whole room up and you think it's a nuisance. So you know what we did? We gathered around the very first meeting. We got in a circle around that Jesus pillar. And we looked at each other and we said, Jesus has to be the center of this church forever. Whatever you say, we're doing it. 
This is where the prayerful part came in, guys. The Jesus pillar. You are the Lord. Whatever you say, wherever you go, Lamb of God, we will follow. And we will live dependent on you prayerfully. This is how prayerful family on mission came to be. Yes, it's on every page of the Bible. I could literally bore you to death and walk you from Genesis to Revelation and show you a prayerful family on mission. It is well-rooted, well beyond our simple, silly little 15-year story. It is the very nature of the covenantal calling of the people of God in all of history, but it's also our story, prophetically, with promise and encounter. And he has pruned and pruned and pruned the prayerful part. There was a point where we didn't even do prayer weeks or have prayer meetings. And we were 24-7 prayer. And he was like, is your identity and how cool of a prayer crew you are? Or is it in being sons and daughters of the Father? We don't even have prayer meetings. There was a point in our history where we didn't even have small groups. And all we preached was Acts 2. And God's like, is your identity and being beloved or is it that you can tell everyone, we have, we're a home church network. Listen to me right now. I am not married to a model. I am married to the leadership of Jesus. But the model is a means to the values and practices and priorities of the kingdom of heaven. But I'm not married to a model. There's times we didn't even have small groups, but we were still a prayerful family on mission. There's times when you can look around and go, do we even love anyone else? Do we have a mission? There's no newsletter to write. I mean, we're kind of in a time right now, although I've got, there are some really cool stories. I mean, I'm looking at Rob Black. They're like in the middle of an Algerian community right now, and God Talk about pruning. You guys have been pruned and pruned and you're now multiplying fruit. There's a beautiful incarnation of what we're talking about. Man, I bless you, Rob and Patty. Because listen to this scripture. Paul says, and I don't know if I can join him in this, but I'm trying so hard. I am confident of this. That's the part I'm struggling to get into. Let's just ride the apostles' confidence, okay, for just a second. I am confident of this. I'm confident of this. I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, Robin Patty, that he who began a good work in you, Cutter Gage, that he who began a good work in you, Josh and Meredith, even as you're pruned in this season, that he who began a good work in you, what? We'll be faithful to complete it. The pruning does not remove the promise. Ultimately, it releases it. And it will not be in vain. He has pruned and tested every one of those roots over and over and over again. And I have never felt more pulverized and broken in my life, maybe since that moment at the Rose Garden when it was all falling apart. I feel so weak. Things that I know I can do, I don't even feel like I can do them anymore. I mean, I am blessed. You're like looking at me. Isn't that what Jesus said? You're blessed when you're completely bankrupt spiritually. You're blessed when you're desperate, starving for God with hunger. You're blessed, right? You are blessed when you're mourning the loss of your life. You're like, what are, kind of, what are you on, Jesus? What do you define as blessing? And he's saying you're blessed. I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He changed our name to Nava. <laughs> Nava, to bring home and make beautiful. God is in Christ in his love, reconciling the world to himself. And he has made us a people who lives at home with God and brings home, which is God, everywhere we go. And he is a restoring, reconciling, restorative God. He is making beautiful. He has named us Nava. 
And you go, what have these last couple years been? Seven years to get this building and this promise. And he strengthened us and we grieved in that building called Plex Pod and he deepened us and then he took it. And then he made us sit for five months, not telling us what was next. And then finally the word came, follow the cloud. And we said to everyone, we don't know if the miracle is going to happen. Then we get a new building. And finally God said, no, the miracle is what I'm making of you, not the building that I'm giving you. And he said, the new wineskin is a prayerful family on mission. Surrender to the spirit. That is what I can pour my wine into. Surrendered to the spirit. And then he tested it. Follow a cloud. I'm rehearsing our roots right now and the pruning. He took us to Grandview Amphitheater to show us he can bring a whole city together in a moment. And we all gathered there spontaneously. That was amazing. He took us to new beginnings and he marked us there with a new beginning as a people. And he began to give us an exchange, even a dream where a Nazarene church and their leaders began to encounter the Holy Spirit. And we began to meet the Lord as well. He took us to the middle of the city to a place called the Garment District. And you remember what we did there? God there said, no, I'm really serious. The church is a people. And we made these little funny scraps for everybody. And God said, the name isn't an accident. I have putting garments on you. They're called priestly garments. And it's time for everyone in the church to own the priesthood of all believers. Remember? No, we, you don't remember because I had to look in my notes to even see the journey. I forget, just like you do. I forget and I forget and I forget what he has done. That's why Jesus, when communion, he says, every time you do this, remember. Remember yourself in Jesus. It's not just your mind. You literally are physically membered into the body of Christ again. Remember yourself into forgiveness. Remember yourself into new family. Remember yourself into the story of God. Every time you come to the body and blood, you remember yourself. And we have to remember ourselves together as well. He took us from the garment district. And where did he take us after that? To Colonial Prez, a historic stalwart in the city. So he could show us that he could, again, bring John 17 unity. We had most remarkable meeting there with Pete Gregg as 800 leaders and people in the body and the spirit of adoption poured out on the city. And God showed us John 17 is possible. And even that story has been crushed in me since that day don't have time. But remember. And then he took us from Colonial. We had nowhere to go. And then old Joseph Wally goes to a grocery store. Amazing. Oh, well, his, he actually threw his back out this morning. So he's actually getting older. Healing in the name of Jesus. He used to waft symbols around. Don't have time for that either. But now he just throws his back out. Old Joseph Lawley goes to a grocery store. That's exactly how I would have thought God would lead the whole church. You know, strategic whiteboard session, get a, get a consultant. No, Joseph goes to the grocery store, and we find ourselves in the sweet spot of the multi-ethnic, multicultural goodness of the body of Christ at La Fay and Jesu Christo, who have become covenant friends. Now Dieter is on the city team with me. Our Youth groups have gotten together and our hearts got enlarged. Everywhere God took us around the city, we started to realize we are the body of Christ and we love the city, a church for the city. Regions were born and we went from seven home churches to 20 home churches. And guys, all of that was getting us ready. We said, Lord, where do we go after Lefe and Yesu Christo? And he said, he gave us the scripture out of Zacchaeus, where Jesus says to Zacchaeus, do you remember good old Zacchaeus, like good old Joseph Lolly? Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And we're like, huh, that's not a good location to all gather us. And he goes, no, I'm going to your house. And two weeks later, COVID comes. But you see, we had a decision to make at that point. 
Do we crank up the professionals and live stream the deal? And listen, no judgment on any church. I walk with churches across all streams of all the body of Christ. I'm happy for the gospel to be proclaimed in any way, in any shape, in any medium. Thank you, God. There's no judgment on a live stream. Hear me now. But when you've been in training to be the church as a people, not a building, why would you live stream? No, you would trust the people. And that's you guys. You're the body of Christ. Does it feel amazing every time we get together? No, it's boring some of the time. But you know what? Every freaking week, you're opening up the scripture. You're not listening to me do it on some live stream. Every week, people are getting to share their hearts and pray for each other. You know how lonely people are out there in the body of Christ? You think it's just us getting pruned? It's everybody. But you guys were the body of Christ for the last year. And some people come to me and say, like, we need that every week gathering. We're leaving the church. And it hurts me. And I have to say, if it's in your heart, that's okay. I'm still not married to the model. I release you. I bless you. I don't know. We didn't get into this to be a home church network. We started following Jesus around a city. And this is where we now are. And I would be lying to you if I said I knew where we're going. No, I don't. I see Jesus, the center pillar. And here's what's not changing. Jesus is our vision. And we are a prayerful family on mission, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I don't care how crazy it is. If he says it, we will do it. That's it. And it does not look pretty right now, but that's all I have. We're a bride with a broken nose. And I love this girl. I love her. I, I loved her so much. I knew it was the Lord. There was blood coming in and out. And I'm like, I felt the love of God for this. I'm like, that is the church face plant over a dog gate. That's it. But man, she's so amazing, this bride. Can I tell you something? Jesus has not given up on the church. He will not give up on his bride. I don't care how messed up and hurt she feels or is. He will love her. And we have that invitation. I'm going to welcome Jewel back up to kind of do something with this. I'm so glad I fell and broke my nose because you're way better storyteller than me. Adam has done the beautiful job of tracking our story for years. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Go write down the promises of God because you will forget them. And we have to remind ourselves. We have to remember. Remember the promises. That's our root system. When everything else falls away, we can stand firm. We will not be moved. And don't kid yourself that the last pandemic is the last crazy thing to happen in our world. (laughs) Storms will come. The winds will blow. But we will be anchored in the goodness of God because we believe his promises. So pruning, acknowledge the pruning. Promise, believe the promises. Process is your third P. You remember them? Pruning, promise, process. Process is simply surrender. Surrender to the process. That's the new shoots, the new life. The new things that are starting to come out on the tree that look like tiny little shoots here or the branches that weren't trimmed that are getting new leaves on them again, growing new parts of them. There is new life in this season, guys. There is new life in this season. There are new things coming, but we don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know how much fruit will be on the branch. We don't know what direction the branch is going to go. 
We know what type of tree we have, right? We're a prayerful family on mission, but we're not quite sure what the thing's going to look like after it grows. But we can surrender to the process that the Lord has in this season for us. And really, the best way to get through any type of change or transition, and this is not just Christian spiritual world that will tell you this. This is any psychology, anything like that. They will say is to be in the process, in the posture of surrender during transition. And I said this two years ago, but surrender can look like two different things, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna put this mic down for a minute. This is surrender. Arms open. Here you go, this is surrender. And when you're caught by the police, this is surrender, right? And we get to choose right now, are we going to be voluntary in our surrender? And what the Lord is doing, choose the process of whatever he says, or are we in such resistance and holding on that we have to come to the point of confrontation with the Lord, and this is finally how we surrender. And I'll tell you that voluntary surrender is going to have the overarching emotion of joy when we look back. Because we choose to go with the Lord. And the two hands of that is yes, I say yes to you. I say yes to you no matter what it looks like, no matter what you ask, what Adam just said, no matter what he asks us to do, we say yes. And the other hand is thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the new life. Thank you, even if it doesn't look the way I wanted it to look. Even if I'm not sure I like the green color of the shade of this leaf, right? Or actually, I would have preferred to be an orange tree and not an apple tree. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's just the, but thank you that there's fruit. Thank you that there's life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because thank you produces worship in our lives. And then we see Jesus and we get to grow into a beautiful thing that he created. And he is the better creator than us, ultimately. And he creates something beautiful. And so we want to acknowledge the pruning, we want to remember the promise. And we want to see the new life. We want to submit and surrender to his process in our life and say yes to that again, even if we don't know what it's going to look like. And um, as we finish now uh, and like kind of wrap this up, I want us to, to end in response to the Lord in this place. There's this incredible song by um, Maverick City Music called Promises. And we are actually going to play that song because the song really encapsulates this. Like, you know, I'm going to believe the promises of God no matter what, no matter what's happening. And um, I'm, do you want to share the Rose Garden thing? Yeah. It, but as we go through that, I want you to come before the Lord and just go through those three things. Where do I have to acknowledge if I haven't acknowledged yet? the places of pruning? Where do I need to believe the promise again? What promise do I need to believe? And then just a simple surrender to say, you are good, God, and I trust you. I trust that you have something good in the middle of this. And whatever life comes out, it's going to be beautiful because it's your life coming through me. Yeah, if we could stand together. I want to finish the Rose Garden story just a profound moment for me this week that accidentally happened, you know, when God plans an accident. And um, we were, we had to wait after school. I picked my girls up from school and we had to, had a time of delay. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what should we do? And close to their school is Loose Park. So we drove over there. And as we walked over the hill, uh, I looked at the rose garden uh, and we kind of walked down into it. And my girls go, it's so ugly. Why did you bring us here now? 
And, and man, you know, you have those moments where the Holy Spirit just like, boom. And I, I went off on one on my girls, and they're looking at me glossy-eyed. It wasn't for them. It was, I mean, it was like, whoa. And here I realized I'm standing on that overlook about to leave this girl. And she prophesies that I will, I will not be stuck in this dead prune state looking thing, but that life will come out of me. And that life looks like our love and our love looks like generations of children. And I'm standing in this place and my children are looking at the same roses saying they're so ugly. And I'm realizing, no, 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 no. God himself brought forth the promise of generational blessing when it was all hanging in the balance. And so, man, yes, I feel like we are those six to eight inch rose garden. But I'm telling you, go back in June and July and behold the glory of the Lord or whatever timetable God sees fit in our life, yeah? So I want to welcome us. If, if you want to, to put our hands out, this song is going to come on, and I don't want you to just cognitively track with the lyrics. It's not that moment. I want the Spirit of the Lord to take you into whatever place you need to go. And we may do even ministry in a little bit in this song because there are some people who can't feel anything but the cut, the prune, and they all they know right now is there is no promise. I'm just cut down and I'm weary and I'm exhausted. And I want to remind you that he gives power to the faint, Isaiah 40, and strength to those who have no strength. That he sees you in this place. And I want to, I want to welcome us as we enter this song to engage with the Holy Spirit, both personally and, if I may, as a family, one-minded, one-hearted, one-spirited body of Jesus called Nava. And I want us to proclaim his faithfulness and surrender ourselves to his process in this. So will you start the song, Jake? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're the only one who knows every heart in the room, and we're all in different places. And yet together, we're kind of in one place as a body. Would you meet us? Will you turn it up a bit louder, please, Jake? 